know what they're doing by trying to take it out because you wouldn't have the sales, you wouldn't have the candy canes, you wouldn't have the toys, because it's all surrounded about Christ's birth. Our calendar, B.C., before Christ, A.D., year of our Lord, it's all about Jesus. You guys ready? If you want to take notes, this, today's going to be one of those days that you might want to be able to take notes. So the promise of Messiah. And what does Messiah mean in the Hebrew? It is anointed one. In the olden days, in the days of, of uh, let's say, like King David, they would anoint a king and or a priest with oil. And that would signify to everyone in the land, he is special. Not only is he anointed, that means chosen one of God. God selected this person to be a priest and or king. And the interesting thing is Jesus came as both. Priest and king. And in the Greek, it is Christo, which we get Christ. That's the savior, the deliverer. See, sometimes that people don't recognize this about Jesus. I asked someone this recently, and I, I can't remember who, but it, it was a trick question. And, and I said, is Jesus your savior? Or Lord. It's both. Jesus came as a Savior. And Lord, here's the interesting about Lord. Lord means absolute ruler. Every area of your life. Absolutely. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I'm not going to get in your business. I don't know what's going on with you. But here's the thing. If he's not Lord of your relationships... If he's not Lord of your bank account, if he's not Lord of your job, of your children, of, of whatever it is that you're into, he needs to be Lord. That means it's his will be done, not your own. You were bought with a price. It was a heavy price that was paid. Lord, absolute ruler, chosen one. And this is the greatest story of all. I'm not going to read the Christmas story. I'll probably do that on, on when we next week. But this is a story that I want to talk about is uh, Messiah's birth. It was planned by God. It was prophesied by the Holy Spirit. And it was fulfilled by Jesus himself. It was planned. It was prophesied. And it was fulfilled. We read in Genesis 3 that uh, even in the, the beginning... God created all the heavens and the earth. And there was a plan that he had. The life we live today wasn't the original plan. Unfortunately, it's not. We're to be walking in the garden in the cool of the day with the Lord and fellowship with him. That was the original plan. But because Satan is nasty, he's jealous, he's conniving, he convinced Eve to sin. And she convinced her husband to partake. And there was, as a result, we were cursed. And this is the beginning of the plan. Because once we sin, you'll, if you read through history, not, man, not history of the Bible, uh, and I want to break this down without getting too deep. In Romans 6.23, it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When, uh, when um, Adam and Eve sinned, it reset the plan. They can no longer, because God can't have fellowship with sin. You, he can't have that same, what does light and dark have in common? Nothing. What does righteousness and unrighteousness have in common? He can't be around in it. They hid from him. 
and they covered themselves up with leaves. And, 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 and God asked Adam, where are you? He already knew where he was. He's just calling him out. It's kind of like asking your kid that has chocolate chips all over his face. Did you eat the cookie? Right? You already know. He already knows. He's the father, right? So here we are, this, this sin that happened. And, and this is what Jesus says in Genesis 3. 15. It's not going to be up there unless they get up there. But this is what he told them. And he says that I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent. He had just cursed the certain serpent. He told the serpent that you are going to uh, uh, live on your belly and eat dust. And he said, I'm going to put enmity. I'm going to put a gap. You're always going to battle between woman's seed and your seed. He, talking about woman's seed, will bruise your head, talking to the serpent, and you will strike his heel. What is that? That seed of woman that he's prophesying, that he's talking about, this is the new plan. That's the seed, which is Jesus Christ. Because sin represents death, and Jesus represents life. And by Jesus crushing the head of Satan, he defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose again on the third day. Amen? Give him a hand clap. That deserves a shout. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Then here's the, here's the interesting thing. It's just a note. It's not, a, you know, a big one. In, in Genesis 3.24, it talks, uh, it talks, no, excuse me, let me back up to 21. It says that Adam and his wife, God made them tunics. He made them clothes out of skin to cover their nakedness, which also represented their sin. Only blood can cover sin. Some animal had to die and sacrifice its flesh to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. When we fast forward, it was that pure lamb of God who shed his blood to cover the sins of the world. Amen. You see how it's linked? It's connected? I'm going to break it down for you. It's going to be good. It might blow some of your minds. It'll pop your navels. You, might, you may not even be ready for this. If, if you grasp this, you'll be like, you'll be shouting hallelujah because it's that deep. It's that profound. And here we go. Let me get into the lineage of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, this is interesting. From the Shemite branch of humanity, that is Noah's son Shem, it begins the line, the lineage of Jesus. Through Abraham, who was barren and in his old age, he was 100, his wife was 90. They're having children. That came the blessed all, all lands, it says in this scripture, are going to be, all nations, all people will be blessed by your seed. That's Jesus Christ. We know that it was through Isaac and Jacob, and, and Jacob had 12 sons, and it was through the line of Judah that it, we are prophesied, and through the line of Jesse, David's dad, he had multiple sons. And then finally the Lord, out of the line of David, said that he was going to bring us a king, a Messiah, an anointed priest. Now, we look at this interestingly. Out of all these different passages written over different years, they are all talking about who Jesus was and what family he was going to come through. I'm going to break this down for you again real quick here. The prophecies about Jesus' birth. This is fascinating. Here we have the, his birthplace is prophesied in Micah 5.2. It says that he would be born into Bethlehem. That he would be born, uh, Isaiah prophesies 
that uh, he's going to be born and a sign to man is through a virgin birth. It was prophesied way before it happened. I'm going to break this down for you here in a second. I'm getting excited. That his name would be divine and his name would be called Emmanuel. God is with us. God with us here on earth. God in the flesh. God walking with us. I remember uh, we, we testified briefly that uh, my, my wife and I, we had a, um, uh, uh, we have three kids here today. We actually had four. We lost one in a miscarriage. And, and her, she was having difficulties after birth and with different things. And uh, when Emmanuel, when he was conceived, it went smoothly. And the delivery was smooth. And we had been praying about that. And therefore, we named him Emmanuel. God is with us. Because it was through prayer. It was through all of the, the, the tumultuous times and the, the pregnancies and the difficulties. We knew that God was with us. And therefore, we named our son that God is with us. It was evident by the process that we went through that, you know, he helped. So when another one's like, hey, the Bible says don't test the Lord your God. We're going to stop right there. Praise the Lord, we're done, right? She, she don't like that, but, you know, hey, she wasn't there when, when they evacuated the room and ER nurses came in to try to, well, you were there, but. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the next point, Emmanuel. And uh, it says in, in Psalm 72 that uh, presents were going to be uh, presented to him, presentation of gifts. And we know when we read about the kings, the three kings that came from Tarshish and Sheba that came and brought gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh to Jesus. We read about that prophecy. We, pre we read about that uh, there was going to be a massacre of children after his birth. Jeremiah, the prophet, prophesied that. And we read in the story of Jesus' birth that Herod issued a decree to kill all children two and under when the kings came in and told them that there was a new king that was born. He was angry. He was jealous. That was prophesied that that was going to happen. Herod's decree. Um, it's prophesied that Jesus would escape to Egypt. An angel of the Lord came and warned Joseph in the middle of the night that Herod's men was going to be coming through killing babies. Get out of town. Get out of here. That's why it's important to have a... a, a of recognition of the Lord's voice. He might be warning you. He might be telling you something. He might be trying to help you with something. But unless you stop and listen and recognize his voice, you can't take the precautions. You might go ahead right into the trap that the devil laid when he's trying to tell you, go the other way. Listen to the voice of the Lord. His residence would be in Nazareth. In Matthew 2, 23, we read that uh, the prophet spoke of him as being a Nazarene coming from that portion of the land. That's why a lot of people try to uh, paint Jesus with long hair. We don't know that he had long hair. Where they get that from was the Nazarite code. The guys in that village, they had long hair. They didn't drink. They didn't philander. They didn't, you know, long hair. That was their code. And so they said he's from Nazareth. Clearly he had long hair. We get that from the story of Samson, right? His family gave him the Nazarite code, and he let his hair grow, and he didn't cut it. Now, we don't know if they adopted that code, but it said that's the area that he was from. It said that uh, he was going to be a child of poverty. We know that he was born in a stable where the animals are. He was laid in a trough, a manger, 
where they eat, slobber and spit. That's where they put him. Said that he wasn't anything to behold. He didn't come with power and majesty like the world thinks, but he came humbly as a servant king. Now here's the interesting thing. All these prophecies, there's there's in the birth and life of Jesus, there are 108 prophecies concerning that. 600 years, 680 years before he was born, if only the one prophecy that he was born to a virgin happened, it's phenomenal. It's a miracle. But would you know that there was a, a, a mathematician, a professor by the name of Peter Stoner, studied and calculated the probability of only eight prophecies happening. Remember, there's 108. He did the math on that. And he said, conservatively, it was one in 100 quadrillion that eight would happen. One in 100, I had to count the zeros behind that. It was 17 zeros behind it. Chances that eight prophecies would happen, yet there was 108 fulfilled in the birth and life of Jesus Christ. Now, some people would say, oh, it's just a book written by man. Oh, it's just a history book. Oh, it's just that. One in 100 quadrillion odds of just eight of them happening. And we read how many? I just read eight. There was, there's, a, there's another one up there. Where he came from, what his name would be, the family line that he came through, the town he was going to be in, that there was going to be a massacre that they're going after him, that he would escape the massacre, that he would go to this place. That he was born in poverty. That he was, filled, he was filled with the Spirit from birth. All of these prophecies. The odds are phenomenal. It's not happenstance. It's not chance. This book isn't just a history book. It's, it's not the number one bestseller uh, just because uh, the publishers have great advertising. It's because it's God-breathed. You got to get to know it. You got to read it. You got to internalize it. Start to memorize it the best you know how. You got to know it. Why? Because in here are the secrets to life that are going to help you with whatever situation that you're going through right now. I don't care who you are. The Bible has something to say about it. There's, there, you want to know, and sometimes people ask me, Pastor, can you help me do some counseling? Absolutely, I can. But this is where I'm going to get my counsel. I'm not a psychologist or a therapist in that regard, but I can give you biblical counseling. You tell me your situation, I can say, let's go to the Word of God. Let's see what it says. And that's how I'm going to counsel you. Now, if you need some prescriptions, we've got to find somebody else. I can't help you with that. But the prescription I'm going to give you is a dose of this every day. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, would you? When I read that, that there was actually an analytical person calculated that, I, that got me excited because I, I couldn't begin to uh, quantify the, that data, but someone that's much smarter than me in that area did, and it's powerful. A promise kept in Luke 2, 29 through 32. Uh, there was a promise that was given to uh, a leading priest, and it said, the sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations as the light of revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people Israel. 
God keeps his promises. His promises are yes and amen. Here's the thing. We've got to hold on to him. And I'm talking to myself as well. If there was a mirror right here, I'd be saying, Felix, you've got to remember what God promised in his word. Although sometimes it doesn't, the horizon doesn't show that it's looking very good. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He chose to do it. He could have said, no, I don't want to go to the cross. But in the Garden of Eden, he prayed that the cup would be passed away from him. Lord, make it, if there's any other way that we can do this, let's do it. But your good and perfect will be done. Let that be the prayer of our life. I know times can be challenging. Situations can be tough. Uh, Relationships don't always go the way we think they ought to go. But here's the thing. The one thing that's always going to hold true, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. We have an advocate with him. That means we can go to him. We can talk to him. We can share our problems. That blessed hope, that blessed assurance, despite your, your problem or situation, that should put just a little bit of smile on your face. Just a little. I got hope. Odds may be stacked against me, but I got hope. What do you have hope in? See, that's where your life becomes a testimony to those who are watching. Because they know your situation. They know the diagnosis you have, but you're still smiling. Why? I got the joy of the Lord. They know your financial situation, and they're trying to help where they can, but yet you're still smiling. Why? Because Jesus, God is my provider. Right? Not the industry, not the job, not the casino, not the college. Jesus. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. They, those might be tools that he uses to bless you. And yes, we've got to be good stewards of what he gives us. But ultimately, who bless you with your mind? Your skills, your abilities, your know-how that the, your employer employs you because you can do that thing for them. God bless you with that. And he could take it away. I hope he don't. I hope he bless all of you richly with health, with strength, with know-how, with favor. I'm going to get into that another time, but we should be walking in God's favor, unmerited favor. People just hooking you up because you just look like you got Jesus in you. People just coming up and sliding their card in your gas pump. Oh, praise the Lord. That will make me shout right now. I drive a Suburban. <laughs> Jesus. Huh? I'm going to pray for them. What you, what you need, brother? Gold and silver have I none, but what I have I give unto you. I prayed for a guy at the pump. He had gout in his knee and his all. He was gimping and walking. It was, it was a weird scene. But Spirit of the Lord said, pray for that man. Are you going to be obedient? obedience to him that releases his hands to bless you why well, i'll prove it do you do you hook up your kids when they're naughty and they ain't cleaned up their room parents you better say no because if, if if you are you're creating a little monster that society's gonna have to deal with and we don't want to deal with that make them clean up their room same with god he can't bless you if, you if you're out of line. But when you align yourself with him, his way, his word, his will, he'll be like, yes, here you go. And the final thing is you're blessed to be a blessing, not for yourself. Now, it comes through your hands. You get some of it, 
that you're blessed to be a blessing. And when you're not, the blessing stops flowing. You got to keep it going. That's the secret to retaining the wealth in the kingdom. Not just earthly material wealth, uh, fiat dollars, but all that he has. If he's given you a powerful faith, keep going. Pray with mighty faith. If he's given you talent, skills, and ability, use it for his honor, for his glory, not just for your job, for a paycheck. Right? If he's given you a, a, a supernatural patience with people, whoo, Jesus, use that. I didn't get that gift, but I, praise God, if you got it, let's use it. You got that mercy gift? I need that gift around me. You got that prophetic teaching gift? Use that. People of God, he's got a plan for you. And everyone needs Jesus. This is interesting. This is interesting. I love this. And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's in John 14, 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to eternal life except through Jesus. And here's the interesting thing that goes way back to the plan. This is Jesus talking. It's in red letters. It's in the New Testament. But when we go way back to the beginning of the book, in Genesis 3, we saw that be, uh, because Adam and Eve sinned, God kicked them out of the garden. Not because he's being mean to them, but because there was a second tree in the garden called the tree of life. And if they ate from that fruit, they would live forever in their sin. And salvation had not yet come. I'm going to prove it to you right here. In verse 24, Genesis 3, 24. So he drove them out, man, uh, he drove out man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned away, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And what did Jesus say? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. What they're getting guarded against because of sin right here, he provides access to. They said, no, you can't go in because of the tree of life. We'll harm you right now. They blocked the way to life. He said, I'm the way to life. What got denied to them there, he's saying, I'm giving you access, but the access is only through me. Here we have the Old Testament meeting the New Testament, the curse meeting the blessing, the, the blockage meeting the way, the death and sin meeting the life through Jesus. He was a promised Messiah. He was planned, and he fulfilled that plan. That is the true story of Christmas. That is what God intended for us. He wanted great for us because of sin. We fell, but he still provided a path and a way for us to get back to that place, to get back to our true call, to our true salvation. Because we all need Jesus. None are righteous. No, not one. Romans 3.10. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But here's the thing. We have the blessed hope. You don't have to wallow in your sin you don't have to be uh you know sin will bring you to a place where the holy spirit will guilt you and shame you but not to beat you up it says there's therefore now no condemnation for them that are in the lord it's not to beat you up it's to bring you back to the right path bring you back to repentance here's the interesting thing the bible encourages us as parents to 
discipline our children. Spare the rod, despoil the child. That's what the Bible says. But here's the problem with society. You don't do it out of love. You wait till your kid drives you back crazy, and then you strike out. That's not discipline. You're angry. You got to do it out of love. And this is how that looks. Johnny, I told you not to do that. Told you once, told you twice. Now, I got to show you that that's not right. Like grandma used to say, get a papa. Bring them back in the right path. The guilt and shame of sin is painful. Brings you back to the right path. Consequences for uh, for sin, painful, brings you to the right path. The principles are there. They're going to get that discipline one way or another. Parents, if you don't do it, it's going to happen. But is it going to be a school teacher or the police officer or the judge? Or are you going to teach them now? Right? But you got to do it out of love. Can't wait till they drive you crazy and you're like throwing stuff, shoes, okay? It's too late. Because wh- how are they going to hear? They're just going to, and then when you go and you tell me you love them and you just spank them with a uh, Freddy face, ah, it, sending the wrong signals. defied my authority. Here's a note. Parents, if you let them defy your authority, they're going to learn to defy God. Because then you know, oh, man, I don't want to do this, but listen, you got to learn a lesson from me. I already gave you time out. I already talked to you in love. Don't do that no more. Can you come? Hug them. All right, man, let's talk about boundaries. Let's talk about why you do that. Let's talk about different alternatives. Let's talk about other things. say all that. God's trying to do that to some of you right now. You keep going out of line. You keep stepping out of, out of line. You keep doing things you know he told you not to do in his word and you keep doing it and you wonder why you feel so bad. You wonder why your relationships aren't working, why your bank account ain't working, why you're not getting advances at your job. He's like, I've told you. You got to come get back in line. And when you do, it's like me, you know, trying to run through Go through trying to, how fast can I run that way? I can't. But if I get on God's path, I can go a lot smoother, a lot less resistance, a lot less struggle. And I ain't going to trip and hit my head like that cushion almost caught me right there. That's, Lord Jesus, save me. I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He's there. He's ready. He's willing. He was planned. He was prophesied. And he came and fulfilled because he loved you. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That eternal life is promised to you. He is the way maker. If you don't know him, he's he's ready. He's waiting. He wants to be with you. If I could have the praise team just come up just for a moment. We'll just take a moment. You're not going to be long. I think I think you got to uh, wait till Danny comes. 
walked out the back. That was slick. I don't know where you're hiding from. Ta-da. Jesus. So here's the thing. Jesus makes the way. That means you can't get there unless you have Jesus, who wants to make heaven their home. Okay, like five of you want to go to heaven? Come on. You guys are killing me this morning. Kyle, you want to go and see Jesus, right? Okay, okay, praise God. All right. Now, Jesus is the only way. That means you've got to be in a right relationship with him. Right? You can't, can't have a wedding and then move away and say you're still married. You can't have salvation just by saying a prayer once. You've got to live in the relationship with him. If you'd all stand to your feet, let's just worship him for the promise that he made, the plan that he made, the, the prophecies that he fulfilled. Now just start to bow your head and close your eyes and start to reflect on who Jesus is, what he's done for you. What is Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What changes do I have to make? How can I be a better witness for him? How can I do what he's called me to do? Can I do better? If you're thinking you're doing great, maybe pray for humility. I don't know. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to get to know him, please raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. If you've fallen away from the Lord and you know you're not where you need to be, it's okay. I want to let you know that you're in a loving place. I've come and given my life, recommitted it over the years when I was younger, over and over. I don't care if you got to ride the altar all the way to heaven. At least you're doing it the right way. I'd just like to invite those of you who rose your hand, those, if you would come and allow me to pray with you in the sinner's prayer. It's not to cast judgment or anything else. And those of you, if you've slipped away and you're, you're, you're bold enough to say, hey, I need to get back right with the Lord. I want to invite you forward. Recommit your life. Because if you can't do it in front of a loving church family, how are you going to walk it out in the world? It's going to be tough. Please come. Okay, start to sing. Thank you. Thank you. Please come. The altars are open. Please come. I don't want you to go this place. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you, but there's crazy drivers out there. There's crazy people out there. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Why leave and gamble that? Let's get right with him today. You can do it. He's here. The rest of you start to worship him. Call down his presence. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this place. Blessed be your name, O Lord. You're welcome. Praise you, Jesus. Is the place where you promise to be I'm not in hell unless you come will you meet me here again cause all 